Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 45th episode of Wrestle Life Radio. My name is Kyle Pauly, and I'm here with uh, nobody. It's just me today. Uh, Matt's internet is down, so he might as well be living under a rock. And Chris came to Nashville, and he's either lost in the Johnny Cash Museum or uh, he's stumbling around drunk on Broadway somewhere. So it's just me this week. And uh, I'm going to be reviewing SmackDown for you guys. But first, I'm going to start with the traditional This Day in Wrestling History. Yeah, so basically, uh, six years ago today, on October 19th, WWE launched their Stand Up for WWE campaign. And uh, if you haven't heard of this or don't remember it, uh, I didn't remember it either. But uh, supposedly... It was when Linda McMahon was going for her senatorial bid in Connecticut. And uh, some people were coming out against her and attacking her um, for being affiliated with WWE and all the horrible stuff they put on TV over the years. So WWE came up with the Stand Up for WWE campaign, which uh, was basically a way for fans to respond to critical backlash from the mainstream media. Uh, It didn't work. Linda was crushed in the polls. And she lost the election. Um, But I guess she won in the end because she ended up in Trump's cabinet. But as far as being a senator in Connecticut, she lost. So the campaign was not a success. Uh, And also today, I want to wish a happy 33rd birthday to Mr. Simon Grimm, a.k.a. Simon Gotch of NXT. Uh, His real name is John Smith. Is that real? I hope not. (laughs) Sounds like a very generic name, John Smith. Uh, But anywho, Simon Gotch, Simon Grimm, happy birthday. Uh, I'm actually going to start today's episode. It's it's just me today, so uh, bear with me. But I actually wanted to start not by going straight into SmackDown. I kind of wanted to talk about the state of WWE right now. Uh, Matt kind of went over... You know, vented on Monday. I actually told him he sounded like a lunatic, <laughs> juxtaposed to uh, Carol and Rain um, in his review of Raw Monday. Because uh, I really shared his frustration, though. So I completely understand it. And I told him, I was like, dude, I'm on your side. But uh, yeah, he did sound like a lunatic. But I, I've really been frustrated with WWE, like more than ever over these last couple weeks. And uh, I've said already that. Um, with the relaunch pretty much of raw, the season premiere, the debut of Fox uh, or SmackDown on Fox, uh, WWE really had a chance to kind of hit the reset button. Like with AEW looming, uh, with dynamite getting its start. I mean, fans are obviously unhappy and I know WWE is making a lot of money, but just creatively they've got to know that something's not right. I mean, they're, they're, they're having wrestlers who want to leave the company that aren't happy. Morale is at like an all-time low. I just, I don't understand why they keep going in this direction. So they, they really had a chance to hit the reset button though. And like we said, uh, with Hell in the Cell, they obviously did not do that. They barely built the card. They only had three matches or four matches going into that Sunday. All of it was thrown together last minute. They had that horrible ending with Bray Wyatt, The Fiend, and Seth Rollins. And just look at the WWE title picture. I mean, not just the WWE title, but the Universal title as well. So both major titles. Look at the pictures that's going on right now. 
We have Seth Rollins and The Fiend. And I think people really wanted to see The Fiend win, or at least they should have pushed him into that main event spot against Seth Rollins so quickly because people just turned on Seth. I mean, they didn't help that they booked him like a geek, like a loser who was running from his, you know, battles and, you know, not being able to defend himself and being scared, you know, pissing his pants in front of the fiend. So that didn't help at all. But I mean, plus everybody liked the fiend. Everybody liked Bray Wyatt. They love this character that's, you know, been showing up on TV. So putting them in a match together, the hell in the cell and just doing the finish. It was a lose, lose situation. And like I said, I, I felt like Seth won that match. It was a ref stoppage, like he likes to say. But I mean, Seth won that match. He got he got out of that match. Uh, didn't wasn't you know didn't have to face the fiend and beat him. He he basically got out of there and survived. And that's you know that's a win in his book. Uh, but basically, the champion now. I mean, he was burning down the Firefly Funhouse this past Monday on Raw. He was getting booed by the crowd. I mean, he came off like a heel. <laughs> He just mysteriously showed up at the Firefly Funhouse. Bray, he's beating up Bray Wyatt, and Bray's sitting there begging him, like Seth, why are you doing this? And obviously, he's a crazy man, so you're like, you know, you know, it's a split personality type thing. But still, I mean, he's just bullying this guy with a mental health issue. He's just beating him up, and then he burns his house down. Some babyface. So that's your Universal Champion on one show, and on the other show, Chris's favorite superstar. Brock Lesnar, but not just Brock Lesnar. It's really the the whole story surrounding Brock Lesnar. Obviously, Kofi was the champion since WrestleMania, since beating Daniel Bryan. He's beat the likes of Daniel Bryan, Kevin Owens, Randy Orton. He's been on this tear the last few months. Been defending the belt, been a fighting champion. I thought he was going to lose to Randy Orton several times, but you know what? He didn't. WWE was pushing him like crazy. Everything was going well. The fans were loving him. And then he gets to showdown with Brock Lesnar out of the blue. I mean, Brock just comes back and says, I'm going to challenge for the title. And of course, what happens? After all this time, Kofi's got the belt. He's a fan favorite. He runs in there, gets beat by in eight seconds by Brock Lesnar. I think the official time on WWE's count was like five seconds. It's just ridiculous. Um, but he gets beat instantly, basically. Brock Lesnar's the champion. He swept under the rug, and here comes Cain Velasquez. So now it's Cain and Brock. And what is Kofi doing? I mean, I'll get more into it on SmackDown, but nothing, essentially. He he actually had a WWE.com exclusive um, video after the match. I think it was um, Kayla or one of the backstage interviewers talked to him after the match, and he was like, oh, I've got to rethink my strategy. Well, you know. Of course, <laughs> you got beat next seconds. Uh, he said he, you know, he he tried to, you know, play it like he made a mistake. You know, he's got to rethink and go back to the drawing board. But he basically said at the end of, at the end of the interview was um, he's not done. He's going to come back, be stronger, and he you know he's not done with Brock Lesnar yet. Well, you could have fooled me because where's he been? Nowhere. He's just hanging out with New Day, and uh, I'll get more into that on SmackDown, but. It's not just Kofi though, like it's Brock Lesnar and Chris has a right to be upset. He he hates Brock Lesnar and uh, I mean, he, Brock Lesnar's shown he can't wrestle. I don't know, Chris, you know, he's probably just seen the, you know, recent Brock Lesnar who just comes in and suplexes everybody, but really the guy can go when he really wants to. He's, you know, a legit talent, but obviously 
since he's come back, he's just been the beast. He just throws people around and that's it. That's been Brock Lesnar. But you also got to think he's been like the big heel that's held on the title, held the title hostage. And you've had people like Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns come back and conquer the beast, but he keeps coming back. And I was kind of thinking about it and it made me think of infinity war, the Avengers movie that came out. So Thanos was a big, bad, evil dude. And he came in that movie. It was basically his movie. It wasn't an Avengers movie. And he basically beat everybody up, got the infinity stone, spoiler alert. I mean, if you haven't seen it by now, then what's wrong with you? But he basically got all the infinity stones with a gauntlet, snapped his fingers at his will, you know, erased half of humanity, half of the galaxy's existence. He erased all his people and he won in the end. But you know what? There was a part two to that movie. It was called Endgame. And in Endgame, the heroes picked themselves up. They were able to find a way early on, kill Thanos, but then also spoiler alert, they were able to kill Thanos and, you know, find a way to, you know, kind of right all the wrongs that Thanos had done and defeat him in the end. And you know what? That was a happy ending. But you know what would really suck? If like the next three Marvel movies, Thanos came back and just beat everybody again. And even if the next movie, if they beat Thanos again, he came back another movie and he beat him again. That's essentially what Brock Lesnar has been in WWE the last couple of years. I mean, he's beaten John Cena, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles. Like I get he's the beast, but there comes, there's got to come a point where you can't just let this guy keep destroying people and, you know, having a, it's just basically been a cycle. I mean, we talked about this when Seth Rollins lost the title to him and he, you know, was going to win it back again. I was like, this is just redoing the same thing they'd done before. And it wasn't really successful then. But I mean, uh, now look at Seth Rollins. So Kofi's not in the picture. Brock Lesnar's holding the title hostage again. I mean, is anybody really excited for him and Kane? I mean, either Brock Lesnar's going to win again and hold the title, or Kane Velasquez, someone who's never wrestled a match in WWE, has only had one you know, pro wrestling match, and it was a Lucha Libre tag match. I mean, is he going to be champion? The title pictures are just nothing. And I mean, even everything else on the show is like, I mean, just the state of WWE, you know, in general, it's just not, it's just not where it needs to be. I'm I'm just really disappointed in it. The, the draft was a disaster. I mean, Matt went over it, you know, on Monday night. There's just so many issues with it. I mean, the, the main one, obviously being the Alexa bliss and Nikki cross thing it, that like, that's just baffling. I mean, I was sitting there um, and I've kind of talked to, talked to her with my girlfriend. She's not even a wrestling fan. Um, and she's, I would say Carol um, Matt's wife. She, she watches it with Matt from time to time. So she kind of knows what's going on, but she's a pretty much casual fan. I don't even know if I would call my girlfriend a casual fan. She'll watch every now and then with me, but she doesn't get it at all. She doesn't really know anybody. She'll give an honest opinion of what she sees, but not, I mean, she doesn't really even know anybody. So we were sitting down a minute while the draft was going on and I explained to her what had happened. Basically, uh, USA raw had, you know, you, I mean, there were actually rules to this draft, believe it or not. And you were able to pick a tag team if you wanted to. 
and you could get both people with one pick. I mean, why would you not, you know, why would you not do that? But you know what? Raw decided to do it. Maybe they didn't want Nikki Cross, but they picked Alexa Bliss um, on their first pick of round three and fine. So I thought, sure, Nikki Cross can go to SmackDown. They could be single stars again. I thought, you know, both of them, they just lost the tag titles. You know, it was a good run as a tag team, even though they were just starting to get over as baby faces, but whatever. Uh, but sure, split them up. But no, in the fourth round, with their second pick, Raw picks Nikki Cross. Well, what? <laughs> this made absolutely no sense. Why would you not just pick them up as a tag team? If you're going to get them later, and if you don't want Nikki Cross, then don't get her. But if you want her and she's on your draft board, uh, like they have in the NFL, vote them together or pick them together. And not only that, there was Booker T later in the show, um, the draft show, who was saying, now I heard rumors. I heard speculation there's going to be a big trade coming up. I heard some, you know, there's a big trade in the works. And you kind of thought like, oh, maybe Braun Strowman or, you know, maybe The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, since they had something going on with him and Seth still. You you didn't know what was going to happen. And what do they do? Raw just trades Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross to SmackDown. And it makes even less sense now because I just watched SmackDown and Nikki Cross competed in a singles match as a singles competitor, I mean. And Alexa Bliss wasn't even on the show. So they're not a team anymore. So why did they get sent to the same show? It makes zero sense. It's like, did they not plan this ahead of time? And if they did, this makes it even worse because <laughs> it makes absolutely no sense. Uh, there was just so many things baffling about this, this draft. I mean, uh, Matt pointed out on Monday, they, they drafted Umbucha Carrillo from 205 Live, who's you know a great talent, a great superstar, but... Rey Mysterio came in round six. He's the guy that's with Cain Velasquez right now, who's on SmackDown, by the way. Well, actually, Cain's not even on a brand. He's just a free agent, I guess. But they've been on SmackDown together, but they put Ray on Raw for some reason. Maybe he'll get traded next. So, just and also just the principle of this draft, they tried to make it like the NFL draft, but it just doesn't work. I know Matt talked about uh, Andrade... And Ali on Raw being a good match. And you know what? Because it was a good match. But my issue was, why do I care? Uh, with this match, and even with the, you know, the week before they had Apollo Crews and Ricochet wrestle. For what? They made it, they they made it out to be a draft showcase. They could show off their talents, you know, get higher picked in the draft, you know, show show their worth, show their value. Who cares? I mean, the way this draft is set up, they, they like I said, they tried to make it like the NFL draft, but what makes the NFL draft unique, there's 32, there's 32 teams, there's a whole bunch of rookies from different college teams, and people tune in to see where their the players from their favorite college team is going to go, or if they're an NFL fan, who their NFL team is going to draft. And it actually matters where you end up in the draft. Uh, if you're drafting the first round, you're obviously going to make a lot more money and have a really good shot to, you know, make a roster. And because if they're spending a first round draft pick on you, they're going to have a lot more patience with you. So it's just better if you get drafted in the first round versus the sixth round or seventh round or undrafted. But what does it matter in WWE? It doesn't at all. 
Like, does it matter that Roman Reigns has drafted the number one pick versus Jinder Mahal, who was, you know, drafted in the fourth round of day two, who was drafted above R-Truth and Samoa Joe and The Miz and King Corbin and Rey Mysterio? I mean, this draft was just a disaster. It was, it was just basically a, the you know just a cluster of WWE madness that's been the last couple of weeks balled up into one thing, like over two shows, just horrible. And I could just go on all night about why this. I mean, I was wanting to slam my head against the wall watching not only Raw but SmackDown for this draft. I mean, it was boring. It made no sense. Stephanie just came out there and was announcing picks. Nobody came out and cut a promo. Nobody came out and had a match right after like that was just drafted. And the format didn't even make sense because in a normal NFL-style draft, what happens is you have the number one pick that's set. You know what team's going to get it. So they have weeks, months to pick who their first pick is. And uh, it could be someone you expect, like a Roman Reigns, a Becky Lynch. Or it could be just someone out of left field like, ricochet or something. I don't know why you would do that, but could have been anybody. Well, in the NFL, when that happens, somebody, you know, picks a, you know, Baker Mayfield or something, number one, or something that's not expected. It just changes everything. And then the person who has the number two pick after they make their first pick, they're on the clock and their draft can completely change based on who the first person does or doesn't pick. Not in the WWE draft. They just pick five people at a time. And then they have these war room clips showing people get mad. Like it showed the war room with the Fox people. Daniel Bryan got drafted to SmackDown and it showed the USA people uh, rather. They, they were like angry and throwing a fit. It's like, well, you know, they picked him. You knew before they announced the five picks, they got to pick five picks worth of people. You had to know he was getting picked. And not, not only that, you had plenty of chances to pick the dude. Let's see, where, where did Daniel Bryan go in the draft? Uh, he went, let me see if I can find this on the draft board. He went second day to SmackDown in the second round. And let's see who Raw picked ahead. Seth Rollins, Charlotte, okay, and Andrade. So you're telling me, oh, and then they, they had a pick before Daniel Bryan too because SmackDown went second. They picked Andrade and the Kabuki Warriors before they picked Daniel Bryan. And they were so furious that SmackDown got him. <sighs> Just made no sense. They, they, tr- it's, it's literally like Vince McMahon said, oh, I want this to be like the, the NFL draft. The NFL draft has millions of viewers. Let's do it like that. And then he just left it to a bunch of idiots to figure out how to do this in like a couple of days, probably. Well, it didn't work. It was boring. It was just, you know, it, it didn't work at all. It, you know, didn't make sense because I mean, Rollins and the fiend, they got a few going on, but now they're on separate shows. Like I said, the Alexa and Nikki cross thing, Jinder Mahal was picked like way before everybody else. Uh, Eric Rowan and Luke Harper are split up all of a sudden. Now Luke Harper's just a free agent that got sent to SmackDown. Cesaro was a free agent. You're telling me Jinder Hall, Jinder Mahal got drafted and Cesaro didn't really. It's just ridiculous. And not to mention the morale that, I mean, talk about the state of WWE. The morale in the company is at an all-time low. I mean, Luke Harper wanted to leave recently. He just came back to, you know, probably thought he was going to 
tag team with Rowan again, something maybe he enjoyed. Well, they ended that right away. What about Mike Kanellis? Mike Bennett. I mean, he just signed a five-year five year contract, so a lot of people are not really having sympathy, sympathy for the guy. But he could have been told when he signed this contract, he's like, I'm not really doing anything, guys. I mean, I kind of want to go elsewhere over there. Like, no, no, we'll, we'll get you in something. We'll do something with you. Just sign this contract for five years. And I, I don't think Maria was pregnant at the time he signed it. But, you know, he's got a kid already, and he's probably thinking, you know what? Let me sign this as a security for five years. Let me sign this contract. I'll make money. And hey, if they say they want to use me, they'll use me and we'll see where it goes. How could he have predicted that they'd treat him like this? That this horrible storyline would just kill his character, make him nothing, and now he's just crap. I mean, I'd be pretty upset too. What does he need to do now? Now he wants, I mean, he wants to leave and Maria wants to stay. Um, I don't think it's a conflict. I think they both, you know, can do whatever they want to do. And she supports him in wanting to leave. But I mean, everybody's, I mean, Rusev wasn't happy and he's came back and now he's with this stupid uh, Lashley and Lana storyline from, you know, Monday. That's horrible. I mean, and what about the Lacey Evans, Natalia situation? They've been in a blood feud for weeks, months. And Natalia comes out and when she was saying it, I just, I was thinking it. But I was not believing it at the same time. And then she said it. She comes out, says, there's only one person I can, you know, that I know can, you know, stand up this with me or whatever that will, you know, that's tough enough to go. Last week, Natalia put Lacey Evans to a table. A couple of weeks ago, she beat her with her submission move and then punched her in the face after the match. And now she's just going to come out and tag with Natalia. Like, I, I'm... I've said on the show before, I'm a big fan of movies. I love storytelling. This storytelling is so horrible and not thought out. It's just insulting. And I mean, if I wasn't doing this podcast with Matt and Chris, I don't know if I'd watch WWE anymore. I might take a break because it's infuriating to watch sometimes. And uh, AEW, though it's not a perfect show, has been a lot easier to watch. It's one show a week. I mean, one AEW show, if you don't watch the uh, After Dark special too. But uh, just you know, watching the AEW show, it's two hours every week. It's just wrestling. Uh, they got some stuff on there that doesn't really make sense sometimes. But you know what? It's not completely insulting my intelligence. You know, they got some stuff to figure out. It's not a perfect show, but man, WWE is just... They don't care about the fans. And I'll get some more into that with the SmackDown review, but I just had to talk about just the state of what WWE is right now and why I'm unhappy with it. I mean, and I've been a fan. I was a WCW fan growing up uh, during the Goldberg era and all that. But once WCW started going downhill, and then Austin and Rock kind of rose up on the other show, I switched over. I have you know fell in love with those guys and kept watching it. I've been watching it ever since, really. Even when they weren't at their best, like they still were able to put on somewhat coherent stories, but not lately at all. I mean, it's just, it's, it's like literally like they're writing the the show the day of, they just, you know, throw crap to the wall and see what sticks. And it's just a mess. And it's really becoming a chore to watch it and sit through it. Cause it's just, um, I mean, I'm not even gonna talk about crown jewel and the, 
that whole car. I mean, there's just so much going on in WWE that I'm unhappy with. Yeah, so the state of WWE, I just got to say, is not great. It's it's just not great. It's just, and I don't see it getting any better because Vince McMahon's not going to give it up. He's got the XFL coming up. I mean, he's going to try to do both at the same time. Uh, maybe he'll leave it in the hands of, you know, maybe Triple H or Paul Heyman and Bruce Pritchard, and they'll see what they'll do. But I don't know. I just doubt it. But yeah. So that's how I feel about the state of WWE right now. It's just, uh, I'm, I was wanted to do that this week instead of a my traditional brass ring and future endeavor because I've just been so unhappy with the product lately. I could give the whole company a future endeavor, honestly. Uh, but we'll get into this SmackDown review. Um, it was a better show than it was last week. There, I mean, there were a lot of things on here that I was just really unhappy with. But um, a couple things on the show that were okay. So let's go ahead and get into that. Um, really, the start of the show was an Intercontinental Championship match. And I don't know if they announced this earlier in the day. I worked during the day, so I didn't see anything come through. But I was kind of surprised and completely fine with it though. They announced Roman Reigns versus Shinsuke Nakamura. They just come out to start the show uh, for the Intercontinental uh, title. Uh, The announcers right away say that a lot of people are upset that Roman Reigns was drafted first to SmackDown. And I was like, uh, who? (laughs) I don't think many fans were. Uh, Surprisingly, I think fans have been more welcoming of Roman. They kind of like him in this role that he's in. And, uh, but have been happy with him. I did but then you know we find out later it was King Corbin who's complaining about it on Twitter. So uh that's everybody who's upset, I guess. Uh they also said Nakamura was one of the best grapplers in the world. <laughs> and I was like, mm, I know he's a legit MMA fighter and he's got a ground game, but I uh did a quick Google search and apparently MVP said that it was like 2015 he tweeted that Nakamura was a purple belt at the time. Uh, I'm going to assume, I think the order goes black belt, brown belt, then purple belt. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say he's earned his brown belt by now. Uh, even if he did, that doesn't make him one of the best grapplers in the world. Uh, there's a lot of black belts out there. So, uh, but he's good. He might be one of the best in WWE, but not the greatest in the world. So, uh, Roman pretty much starts out in control of the match early. And right before we go to a commercial break, he sets up for the drive-by on the apron. And Sami Zayn was sitting out at commentary with Nakamura. But he came off commentary desk, ran over and grabbed Nakamura, pulled him out of the way. And it allowed Nakamura to hit Reigns and kind of gain control before the break. Uh, and then we come back from the break. Nakamura's in control. Sami Zayn's back on the commentary booth. Calls himself a liberator, not an advocate or a lackey or manager. I don't really know what that means, but, uh, Roman was actually able to gain control again with a Superman punch, but it was actually pretty good. Cool. So he goes for a Superman punch after he gained control back and Nakamura actually countered it into an R bar and then transitioned it to a triangle. So it was pretty good grappling, but Roman Reigns powered out of it, hit him with a power bomb for a near fall. Uh, Roman set up for another Superman punch, but Sami Zayn jumped on the apron again for the distraction. Nakamura takes advantage of it. Then he shuts, sets up for the Kinshasa. Kinshasa. And uh, Reigns was able to hit a Superman punch. Gets another uh, near fall. And Reigns goes to set up for a spear when Corbin runs out and hits him in the back with a scepter. 
with his little stick, whatever you want to call it. So disqualification, no fun, crowd boos, Corbin's a bad guy. Corbin runs in, he hits the deep six on Roman Reigns. Uh, looks like Corbin and Nakamura are going to take out Roman Reigns. But Daniel Bryan's music hits and he comes out to make the save. And Bryan takes out Corbin, takes out Shinsuke. But uh, as he goes to the ropes, Sami Zayn grabs his leg, holds on to him, allows for Nakamura to hit the Kinshasa. And so Corbin and Nakamura, Sami Zayn all walk out with their heads held high. And they took down Bryan and Reigns. Uh, Cole takes uh, a moment to say that everybody here, everybody involved were high draft picks. Um, and like I said, pretty sure, uh, let's see. Yeah, Corbin went in round five to SmackDown. Not a very high pick. Shinsuke Nakamura, the Intercontinental Champion, went in round three. Was drafted after Cedric Alexander, Rusev, Andrade, the Kabuki Warriors. So, yeah. Not super high draft picks there. And I don't even know if Sami Zayn was drafted. I don't see him on here anywhere. He might have been a free agent. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't even see him on this list. So he was probably just undrafted or something. They were not all high draft picks. Michael Cole. Once again, Michael Cole's wrong. Who's surprised? So next we have a backstage segment with The New Day. They're singing a uh, spiritual a New Day spiritual. And uh, I'm just going to give you the definition. If you, if you don't know, know what a spiritual is, it was created by African-Americans uh, back in the uh, days of slavery. And it was originated as an oral tradition that uh, imparted Christian values while also describing the hardships of slavery. And uh, now I'm not comparing WWE, modern day WWE to slavery, because I don't want to make light of slavery, but I'm also not going to make light of WWE uh, in modern times, especially with how they're treating Kofi. I don't really blame him. Sing the spirituals, Kofi. So they're singing their little spirituals when Tucker walks up and slams a picnic table a picnic table down in front of them. Hypes up the match at Crown Jewel, their tag match, and says it's you know going to be crazy. But tonight they're teaming together. So he said he said he's there to lift New Day spirits, especially after Kofi lost the WWE title. And what does Kofi say? He gives Tucker a quick reminder. Hey, man, it's okay. I, I've gotten over it. I use the power of positivity, and that's all I need. Like, well, guess Kofi's over it, so why should I care? He doesn't care about the title anymore. He's just going to let Brock do what he wants. So he's got the power of positivity, and that's all he needs. Doesn't need a title or anything. Whatever. He's moved on, so I will too. Well, Tucker calls a notice. Otis comes in with his giant bowl of pancake batter. He's spinning it around and Tucker pours in a big old bunch of protein powder. They mix it all together. Otis wants everybody to taste some. But Xavier says, oh, we can't eat that. We'll get a cramp. It's like, you know, when you go swimming. And then Biggie makes sure to say, and we can't swim either. We have spirituals and uh, a swimming joke in this uh, backstage segment. So, huh. Let's move on. So basically, Otis eats the batter, gets it all over himself, and he starts dancing, and Biggie does the New Day Rocks thing. It's fine. I love Otis. So then we have Kayla backstage. Corbin's walking in the back. He's got a smile on his face after, you know, everything he does. So she walks to him and says, Corbin, what's the reason you attacked Roman for? 
what is you know why why do you tag Daniel Bryan? Well, he just puts on his crown, he laughs, and he walks away. Okay. Well, then come to save the day, Michael Cole is there to tell us it's because Roman set Corbin off today for what he said on Twitter. Hmm. Okay. I guess Roman's just got Twitter fingers now, and that's all he just does all his trash talking on Twitter. So apparently he said Corbin wasn't a real king, so that's why Corbin came out and attacked him. <sighs> Whatever. So after that segment, we had Shorty Gable, who comes out in a giant graphic on the video board that says Shorty Gable, and he throws his hands up in the air. And Michael Cole actually has the audacity to say, his name is Chad Gable. Could have fooled me. He says, his name is Chad Gable, but he goes by Shorty Gable. And here's a video to explain why. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I can give you two guesses, Michael Cole, as to why his name is Shorty Gable. But anyway, n- nevertheless, they send us to a video package. Explain that, you know, they show all the clips of right picking on Gable. Why they call him Shorty. It's stupid. So he comes to the ring. He's going up against Curtis Axel. And uh, it's basically a squash match for some reason. Because WWE, is, I, don't, I guess they're pushing the guy. <laughs> you could have fooled me with that name. But uh, yeah, he basically a squash match against Curtis Axel. It was funny though, because at one point, Michael Cole started reading out Gable's accolades. But it was when Curtis Axel had him locked in a submission hold. So he was like down on the ground in pain. And Michael Cole was like, Oh, Gable, he's, you know, he's got a bunch of accolades. He's a former, you know, NXT tag team champion, former Raw tag team champion, uh, former Olympian. And I'm like, dude, just shut up. His name is Shorty Gable. Nobody cares. But basically the match ended when Gable hit Bo Dallas on the outside, put Curtis Axel in the ankle lock, made him tap out. Woo. Who cares? And then which even worse. Kayla interviews Gable and she gets in the ring. And the first thing she says is Shorty Gable. And then she says, now many superstars have made fun of your height and said disparaging comments. How does that make you feel? What? <laughs> what kind of a stupid question? Okay. First of all, if <laughs> either one of two things, either he's okay with it and you know, he's okay with it. So that's why Kayla comes out and calls him Shorty Gable. So she either knows it and then asks him the stupid question that she knows the answer to, or she doesn't know the answer to her question and legitimately wants to know if his feelings are hurt by it, but she just calls him Shorty Gable anyway. This is so stupid. It's like if, if like with the Piggy James thing, you know, it was as stupid as that was. Piggy James, if they would have been like, Piggy James, how do you feel about Michelle McCool and Layla making fun of your weight? Does it hurt your feelings? <laughs> it is so, I'm so over the Shorty Gable thing. It's so stupid. And I, you know what? Honestly, I'm going to take this time. I'm grabbing my phone right quick because I've, I've got a, I was actually on Instagram during the show because I needed to pass the time. <laughs> uh, it was actually during a commercial break. I was looking on WWE's Instagram and they posted a picture of Shorty G. And um, oh, and also during this interview, 
he uh, basically says he's he's comfortable in his skin. He's comfortable with who he is. He doesn't care if people call him shorty. You should embrace you know who you are. Blah blah. blah. Inspiration, inspirational message. It's a good promo that he cuts. I mean, he does a good job with the delivery, but he's Shorty Gable. And he even says, you know what? Let's shorten it. Shorty G. And I've, I've felt everybody's eyes roll in the crowd. And Michael Cole feels like the need to say, how could you not love that? Uh, it's pretty easy, Michael Cole. And I'll tell you how easy it is. Because on WWE's Instagram page, with the caption, hashtag Shorty G is here on SmackDown. I'm just going to go down the list and read these comments. Okay, the very top of the list. First comment, AEW. Second, his name is Chad Gable with 546 likes. And there's somebody with K with a bunch of sleeping emojis. There's a bunch of Shorty G's. I'm still going to call him Chad Gable. Change the name back to Chad. Use me as a dislike button for the name Shorty G. Hell nah. Get it? Because he's short. Somebody just simply said, no. <laughs> Someone says dynamite comes in small packages. Imagine being as ridiculous, ridiculously talented as Chad Gable. It's only, only for his entire character to revolve around him being short. At this rate... He really needs to push into a title match. I don't know what that guy's thinking. Still going to call him Chad Gable. Sorry, creative. I can't take him seriously with his look. He really needs to, uh, he really needs his hair back. <laughs> I think that's the least of his worries. Uh, can't wait for full gear. Ruined his name still. Please go back to calling him Chad. Oh my God. Go to, somebody tag, go to AEW on TNT. That's why people stop watching and it's not the talent's fault. I mean, this. I'm just reading the comments straight from this post. All this is one post. These are the top comments I'm reading. None of them positive. Somebody says CM Punk will return. <laughs> so does WWE listen to us? No, they don't. So that's what people think of Shorty Gable, at least on Instagram. So he's a loser. And then we have... After this, they have an updated graphic for the Team Flair, Team Hogan graphic that Seth has been taken out of. That's another thing. WWE plans this stuff in advance, supposedly. They had this big uh, Ric Flair, uh, Hulk Hogan segment on Monday Night Raw. Seth or Seth uh, Rollins comes out. He says, oh, I can't. I'm so excited. This is a dream come true to be on Team Hogan. Then he gets a match with The Fiend, who's on a different brand than him, which makes no sense. And they just take him out of this match. Whatever. So they show Ric Flair talking trash on Twitter, saying Hulk Hogan doesn't have a captain. Cole and Graves come out and talk about, oh, Team Team Hogan doesn't have a captain. What are they going to do? Uh, is it not called Team Hogan, by the way? Is he not the team captain? It's named after him. Captain Hogan calls in on Skype, and he uh, he shouts out Ali and Shorty G, but I don't think if... He just kind of said he had his eye on him. I don't know if they actually got added to the team or not, but we'll see. They, they didn't show an updated graphic with him on the, the team. And then he said, later tonight, dude, I'm going to announce who the team captain is. I guess Ali and Shorty G are on the team now, and they'll all announce the captain later. Uh, and also, Skype was lagging. <laughs> it was clearly a, you know, it was a live show, but they clearly taped this ahead of time and, 
they even had lag spikes on here, which just goes to show how crappy Skype still really is. Anyway, we have a tag team match after this. Uh, I enjoyed this match. It was the uh, Heavy Machinery and New Day versus Bobbert Roode, Dolph Ziggler, and The Revival. Uh, they show the graphic of, from uh, Crown Jewel of all the tag teams that are going to be in this tag team turmoil match. And underneath it, it has the entire title of the match, which just blew my mind. I had to pause it and write it down verbatim of what this title is. And it is this. This is the largest tag team turmoil match to determine the World Cup for the best tag team in the world. That's what it's called. Let me repeat that. The largest tag team turmoil match to determine the World Cup for the best tag team in the world. What? <laughs> I feel like I keep saying that. It's Who writes this? Do they not have a copywriter or something? And was the World Cup last year like the thing that Shane McMahon won? And it was like a single competitor tournament. Now it's the tag team World Cup. Whatever. So basically the teams come out. Um, the match starts. The babyfaces pretty much control the start of the match until Xavier Xavier Woods does a dive on the outside. Takes out the revival. But then he gets caught by Rude and Ziggler with the Spinebuster zigzag combo. And we go to commercial break. Uh, we come back from the break. They're still working on Woods. He's able to fight back and hit an enziguri, but before he can make up the hot tag, the heels go on the outside, take everybody out. And I guess they shanked uh, Big E and Tucker because they were down for quite a while while Otis was able to get back up relatively quickly. So um, it's also funny. The, the announcing on the show is just horrible. Uh, I'm sick and tired of it. But Michael Cole during this match says, New Day is the best tag team on the planet. And then Corey Graves says, you know what? I can't argue with you and I won't argue with him, but I got to say the revival, no one does it better than Dash Wilder and Scott Dawson. And they're the tag team champions. So if that doesn't say they're the best tag team in the world, I don't know what does. So my head hurts now at this point in the show. I'm listening to these stupid idiots. Also, they, Michael Cole informs us that this is – he believes that this is the peak of Dolph, Dolph Ziggler's career. Not to mention at the beginning of the match, they said that uh, Dolph Ziggler, a former two-time world heavyweight champion. But this is his peak after uh, a week after losing the uh, Raw Tag Team Championships and being sent over to SmackDown. Uh, this tag match is apparently his peak. Congratulations, Dolph Ziggler. Uh, basically, Xavier still getting worked on. He's able to hit a drop kick and eventually makes it over to Otis for the hot tag. And then Otis comes in. He's amazing. Runs wild on everybody. He hits the Caterpillar. Sets it for the trash compactor. But uh, the heels are able to break it up. Um, Otis actually gets Dawson into the um, suplex position. And uh, he goes over the corner and makes the tag to Big E. Uh, he basically just hands over Dawson to Big E. Big E throws him over his shoulder. Tags in Woods. They hit the midnight hour and get the three count. So... Winners of the match, Heavy Machinery, New Day. Uh, I thought it was a good match. Um, very entertaining. Otis, Otis is always great. There was, there was also a spot where uh, Ziggler punched him, and he just started dancing. And then uh, Rude chopped him, and he started doing his pelvic thrusts. Like, he's just the best. I mean, the crowd loves him. He's so over. Uh, but, of course, WWE will probably screw him over eventually. Basically, after the match, Cole, Michael Cole, says he has breaking news. 
I'm thinking there might be a trade or something. This might be the breaking news or breaking story that Booker T was talking about last week or earlier in the week. But no, he says Corbin, King Corbin and Nakamura are going to face Brian and Reigns in a tag tag match later tonight. Teddy Long used to do it way quicker. So they probably should have just come out at the beginning of the show and said uh, they were going to do this tag match. But whatever. Then we had a backstage segment with uh, Kayla interviewing Daniel Bryan. And my God, this was an awesome promo. Uh, Daniel Bryan's so great. He just made me excited for the tag match. He came out there and, you know, basically tore it up. He cut a great promo, just hyping the match. And uh, after that, we basically get shown Bailey walking backstage with the belt. They talk about Ms. TV later with Bailey. And then Michael Cole mentions Sasha, you know, being involved, but she's not on the graphic for it. Her name's not anywhere. She's not walking with Bailey backstage. So I was like, oh, uh, all right. She, we haven't seen her since Hell in a Cell. So, I mean, she got drafted to SmackDown, but nothing. She's not on the graphic. Not, I don't know if this was, you know, what this is a last minute decision or what, but probably. So we go to a commercial break, come back. There's a Ollie video package for some reason. Whatever. Uh, Miz is in the ring. So we have a Miz TV segment. Introduces Bailey, who has her new look and new theme music. And sure enough, Sasha Banks comes out with her. I was like, okay. Uh, Also, her new theme music sounds like a generic track straight out of 2K. So fine. (laughs) They uh, show a video package of um, Bailey's transformation, how she lost at Hell in a Cell and was devastated. Then showed her coming out with her new look against Charlotte. She was uh, ripping up the Bailey Buddies, which they said about 800 times on Miss TV. They showed some random home video clip of some kid bawling his eyes out over Bailey turning, which is horrible and fantastic at the same time. And then they show people horrified in the crowd. Uh, but then they showed her walking on the ramp after she did that and some little girls clapping for her. So some people liked it. <laughs> so basically Miz comes back and he says, I got to ask one simple question, Bailey. Why? Well, then Bailey says she doesn't know. She doesn't owe an explanation to anybody. And you know what? I agree with her. But then I noticed there was a guy in the front row of the show. And I don't know exactly where they were. I think Bailey said it at one point or no. Nikki Cross comes out and says it later, but they say where they are. But I'm imagining it's somewhere down south, judging by this guy, because he had a hoodie on that was basically a giant Confederate flag. And if anybody know, if anybody owes an explanation for anything on the show, it's that guy. He should be explaining himself on national television for wearing this hoodie. But basically, Bailey won't talk. Uh, Miz says, oh, a champion that doesn't talk. Who are you, Brock Lesnar? Ooh, burn. So the crowd oohs and ahs a little bit. Uh, basically, Miz keeps asking her why, because he's an idiot. And doesn't, I mean, it's pretty obvious why. But Bailey eventually says she slashed the Bailey buddies because that's how the fans saw her. They saw her as a role model, uh, someone that'll bring smiles to their faces. She says, what about me, Miz? What about me? What about Raven? It's an old WCW reference. So uh, she says she gave out hugs to the fans, but you know what? All they did was take. They never gave anything back. She said she lost the belt at hell in the cell and no one was there for her. Maybe Bailey because you'd already turned heel at that point, but whatever. She said no one was there for her, even with Sasha sitting next to her. (laughs) 
So Sasha didn't do anything either. So, but they're still friends. So she's talking and Nikki Cross comes out, interrupts her. She tries to get a cheap Mick Foley level pop by saying the hometown she's in and saying that everybody's wanting her to shut up. It doesn't work. She cuts a little bit of, you know, fine promo after that. But then Dana Brooke comes out. She's also in this six pack match that's, you know, going on. Uh, she cuts a fine promo. It's whatever. She says, like, she throws up her arms and says, she says something about flex appeal instead of sex appeal. And she tries to get everybody to throw their arms up and flex. And nobody does it, but she points off camera. She's like, yeah, I see you. The one person that flexes. <laughs> Uh, then Lacey Evans comes out. She doesn't even have a microphone. She just walks to the ring and they go to commercial. <laughs> so I guess everybody's just walking in the ring. Now we come back. Everybody's in the ring. It's the women's six packs challenge for the number one contendership. It's Nikki Cross, Dana Brooke, Lacey Evans, Carmella, Mandy Rose, and Sonya Deville. So they're all in the ring. Uh, this match was fine. Uh, it was just a match. Didn't really have a story. Basically, Fire and Desire started uh, the match, and they teamed up with each other. It was taking everybody out. Evans was just standing on the outside. Uh, Bailey and Sasha were looking on, uh, sitting by the announce table, just kind of viewing the match. Uh, Graves at one point says he wishes Fire and Desire could be co-champions, if that were possible. Um, pretty sure Lay Cool's already done that, Graves, so it's definitely possible. Um Basically, they all, you know, go at it. They go to the outside. Uh, Evans sneak attacks Cross, and then we go to another commercial break. Then we have a cameo by Funkasaurus. <laughs> they come start to come back from the break, and it's like a Fox commercial for a new show. And it's Mr. Uh, Tyrus, I think is his name, or I forget what his name was. The Funkasaurus Rex, basically. The dancing dude. You know, somebody better call my mama, that guy. So uh, after that, we come back from the break. Fire and Desire is back in control. So basically <laughs> right where we left off at the beginning of the match. Uh, but Carmella gets thrown to the outside and she dives onto um, both of them, I believe. And then Nikki Cross does a jump on the outside, knocks everybody down. Uh, but Lacey grabs her, throws her into the steps. Um, and Graves makes the mistake of bringing up the intense rivalry between Evans and Natalia. Uh, the blood feud that culminated into them teaming on Raw. Yeah, nobody cares. So uh, Dana Brooke comes in, hits a powerbomb on Evans, and hits a senton on her. But before she can get the pin, Carmella and Mandy break it up. Then Carmella and Ray Mandy start fighting each other uh, until Carmella locks in her submission move. Uh, Sonya comes in and breaks up the submission, but Carmella gets up and has a super kick party on everybody. Uh, Mandy hits a knee on Car Carmella's arm, knocks her down. And then uh, Nikki Cross just runs in out of nowhere, kicks Mandy. I actually, she, I don't even think she kicked her. She just grabbed her and hit her neck breaker finisher. And she got the pin. So winner Nikki Cross. And this is kind of what I was talking about. I don't get why they traded over Alexa and Nikki after that stupid draft you know, that Raw did. And then they just make Nikki a single star because Alexa wasn't in this match. She's going to get a one-on-one -on -one shot against Bailey. I mean, maybe they can come back and be a team later, but not here. Why not just have Alexa on Raw and, you know, they're going to need some women on Monday Night Raw. So I don't get why they did this. But anyway, basically Nikki Cross just got up on the ropes and yelled at Bailey. Bailey held up her title. 
Uh, the next segment was Braun Strowman. He comes out. They recap the segment on Raw where him and Tyson fight each other a bunch. They had like a pull apart that lasted forever. So we get back to the ring and Drew Gulak's in the ring. He's in there preparing to die. But first, before Strowman can kill him, he grabs the mic. He says he wants to introduce himself. So uh, good time to do that after the bell rings, I guess. Uh, he introduces himself, says he's an expert in fighting history or something, and says he knows Braun Strowman's strategy of just going at uh, Tyson Fury is going to end up in him getting knocked out. But he says, I'm here to help. I have a PowerPoint presentation to show how you can beat Braun Strowman. And you know what? I was actually interested in seeing this PowerPoint. I wanted him to see, uh, I wanted to see what his strategy was. And Strowman, hey, why not use it? Just see what he has to say. Maybe he has a good point. Who knows? But Strowman doesn't care. Before anything happens, before he can show it, Strowman just kills Drew Gulak. And that's another thing. Drew Gulak lost his Cruiserweight title last week on NXT to Leo Rush. I'm pretty sure before that, he was the longest reigning Cruiserweight champion since the Cruiserweight title got brought back. Neville had a really long run, but I think Gulak's was longer. He's had it since about February, at the beginning of the year. And he just lost it last week. And he comes out, gets introduced to SmackDown. It's his first night, his debut on SmackDown, as he said. And he's immediately killed by Braun Strowman. So champion for several months, doesn't matter. He's dead. So no more Gulak. He's a nerd. So Braun Strowman kills him, uh, leads us to the main event. And we have the tag match. Uh... Daniel Bryan, Roman Reigns versus King Corbin and Shinsuke Nakamura, accompanied by Sami Zayn, of course. Uh, I really enjoyed this match. Uh, I wasn't really enjoying the show up until this point. It was whatever. A couple good spots, but nothing really crazy. But I really enjoyed this match for what it was. Uh, basically, but uh, I will say <laughs> it was a good match, but the start was really, really confusing. And typical WWE stupidness. So Daniel Bryan comes out. And I actually like this. He comes out and they go to a commercial. And I'm thinking, all right, great. They go to commercial. You know Roman's coming out next. You know it's the main event. Let Bryan make his entrance. Come out there and start like a yes chant during the commercial break. Come back and let Roman come out. And, you know, keep us held on. So I like this commercial break. But we come back and Corbin and Nakamura are in the ring. No Roman Reigns. And they're out there to Corbin's horrible, horrible um, remix music of the rock music he's got with the King stuff. I mean, I know Matt loves it. It's his favorite theme. So they're both out there and I'm like, where's Roman at? Did he get attacked or what's going on? No, they just held him just so they could announce. And now the latest member to Team Hogan and the team captain of Team Hogan, Roman Reigns. Really? You held him out just so you can announce him as the team captain. Why not bring out Corbin and Nakamura, go to commercial break, bring out Daniel Bryan, and then bring out his partner? What kind of stupid entrance you bring out one person, then bring out the team he's fighting, and then bring out his partner after? What? <sighs> anyway, this match was good. Uh, basically started out with Corbin working over Brian. Reigns kept getting knocked off the apron. 
Uh, but Brian was able to fight back and go for the tag. But again, they kept Roman off the apron. So for some reason, Corbin goes out. This was kind of dumb. Corbin goes out of the ring with Roman's down and sets up the steel steps like he's going to use him. And the referee has to warn him, hey, you're going to get DQ'd. Didn't Corbin try this a couple weeks ago or something when he was fighting Gable with a chair, if I remember correctly, and the ref had to stop him and tell him he's going to get disqualified? I think that was Corbin, but either way, this was still stupid. <laughs> the ref had to talk him down from being DQ'd. But as you know, he throws on the steps, Daniel Bryan gets away from uh, Nakamura, drop kicks Corbin. He gets in the ring. Nakamura goes to grab him, but Bryan reverses it into a label lock. Uh, he's got Nakamura in the hold, but Sami Zayn throws Corbin in so he can break up the submission move. But then Reigns comes in, uh, knocks Corbin out to the outside, and then hits a giant spear through the barricade. Crowd's going crazy. Uh, Daniel Bryan gets up, hits a bunch of yes kicks to set up for the running knee. Uh, but he goes for the running knee and Nakamura is able to dodge it, hits a knee of his own. Then Nakamura uh, sets up for the Kinshasa. Daniel Bryan ducks it, hits his own running knee. Daniel Bryan makes the pin and securing the victory for Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns. A solid match, a good match, a good way to end the show. And honestly, I've been happy with how they've been booking Roman Reigns. I've been happy with how Daniel Bryan's been doing. Obviously, he's a great promo. Um, I think they should build SmackDown around these two guys. I mean, screw Brock Lesnar. Who cares? Kofi's dead and nobody cares about him anymore. But... I think people, they're not booing Roman Reigns anymore. I think they've come around on him. If you try to push him down in people's throats and do the suffer and succotash thing again, they're going to turn on him. But I mean, I think at this capacity, fans like him. He, they're not booing him out of the building anymore. Uh, Daniel Bryan's great. I mean, build SmackDown around these two. I'm perfectly fine with that. Not in a feud. Don't put them feuding together. Either make them a team or, you know, kind of pair them together from time to time, but make them friends make them your top baby faces in the smackdown that's what they need to do so basically reigns and roman or uh, brian and roman in the show they shake hands uh so the show goes off the air but then we get a quick announcement that after two weeks <laughs> they're moving it to fs1 uh not permanently though uh smackdown is going to be on fs1 next week the world series is going to be on fox so they're bumping it uh we'll see how the viewers do but They've already had a decline. I think it was 1.1 million viewers they lost after the debut show. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how much they lost after you know that horrible draft that they did. Uh, you know, I don't imagine it would go up, but uh, we'll see. And I would imagine it's not going to be that great going up against the World Series next week. But that was SmackDown. Um, if I had to give it a grade, I mean, I gave AEW Wednesday a B. I'm not I, I I don't like the show enough to give it a B plus or I mean a B minus, sorry. Uh, I like the main event, I like the tag match, I like Daniel Bryan's promo, but everything else on the show I didn't really care for. I mean the the beginning of the show opened with the Intercontinental title match that was okay, but had a crappy DQ finish. Um the commentators were unbearable the whole show. Uh Kofi doesn't care about his WWE title anymore. Kayla's asking to write stupid questions. Shorty Gable is a thing and it's dumb. Yeah, I mean, Miss TV was okay. The women's match was passable, but 
no, I mean, nothing really, because it was just like a match. There was no big story to it. Nikki Cross gets the, you know, the next match, but, you know, and then Braun Strowman killing Drew Gulak. I mean, I think the bad outweighs the good here. I'll give it a, it was better than last week's show. So I'll give it a pass. I'll give it a C. I, you know, C borderline to C plus because uh, I really enjoyed the main event. It was a good close to the show. You know, made me feel a lot better after the match, but overall it was average show. Um, so yeah, just the state of WWE overall though, like I said before, it's, I haven't been pleased with the last couple of weeks. Uh, if I if I didn't do the show with Matt and Chris, I don't even know if I'd be watching it. Uh, that's how disappointed I've been with it. I'm hoping they see these fans, you know, that are turning to another product that are, you know, voicing their opinion on Instagram and Twitter. I mean, they've got to see this isn't working. Uh, they're not building stars. I mean, they killed Bray Wyatt. He's the closest thing they've had to a star. Seth Rollins, he's dead. Kofi's dead. What are they going to do? The four stars they've been building for Crown Jewel have been Brock Lesnar, who nobody really cares for anymore. He's a star, but I mean, you're not going to build the company around him. He's part-time basically. Cain Velasquez, he's might be full-time, may not be, but he's about to have his first match in WWE at Crown Jewel. So, I mean, do you want to really see him win the title from Brock? I don't know if I'd want to see that. I mean, there's Tyson Fury and Braun Strowman. I don't think they're going to let Braun Strowman knock out Tyson Fury, the guy who's really undefeated. Are they going to let Tyson Fury knock out Braun Strowman? Is that going to kill him? I mean, he's the only one that can really gain from all this, but I don't see they're really doing anything. So, yeah, who knows? I mean, The Fiend, Seth Rollins, Crown Jewel. I don't see Fiend winning. Seth Rollins probably winning some screwy finish again, and nobody's going to like it, but it's going to be in Saudi Arabia, so they won't put up much of a fuss over it. Just the state of WWE overall is just not fun to watch. Yeah, I'm not sure about it, but let us know what you guys think. Um, there's nobody else here this week to kind of give you feedback. You know, I could be totally wrong about the show. Maybe you guys enjoyed it. So, you know, go on Facebook, send us a message, send us an email, hit us up on social media. Let us know what you thought of the show. Uh, let us know what you think of the WWE product, how things, how you think things are going. Um, just, you know, connect with us any way you want. Um, you can listen to the podcast on Spotify, on Facebook, you know, iTunes, anywhere you can listen to podcasts. You can find us on social media. We're on Facebook at Wrestle Life Radio. We're on Twitter at Wrestle Life Pod. Instagram is Wrestle Life Radio as well. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Kyle.Polly. You can find Matt on Twitter and Instagram at Wrestle Life Matt. You can find Chris on uh, Twitter as Wrestle Life Heal. I mean, there's many ways to connect with us. So, you know, send us a message. Let us know what you think. We'll talk to you. We'll bring it up in the show. Just find a way to communicate with us. And, you know, if you enjoy the show, uh, we'd like you to, you know, talk with us. Let, you, let us know what you think and share the show as much as you can. You know, we want to get out there and have some more conversations with uh, you fans. But, um, yeah, let us know what you think of the show. Let us know what you think of WWE as a whole. But this was episode 45, Wrestle Life Radio. I went solo this week. I thought it went pretty well. Uh, I went an hour, so I was able to fill that up. I was kind of worried I would just go like 30 minutes, but I rambled and ranted, so that helped out a little bit. But thanks again, guys, for listening. Um, we'll be back 
you know, Monday or Tuesday with um, the raw review and Matt should be back. Hopefully his internet's fixed by then. And hopefully Chris is, you know, out of his drunken, drunken state. He's found his way out of Broadway and out of Nashville and back into Florida, but we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for following us. I uh, look forward to talking to you some more. Have a good night guys. Have a good weekend.